Well, good morning. Great to uh, see all your faces. Good to be back together again. I was out the last couple of weekends uh, with my family. We were celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary in the Dominican Republic at one of those all-inclusive resorts. It was very difficult being waited on hand and foot for seven days by the pool, but we we got through it. And uh, now I came home and I have to make my own food and clean my own dishes. It's quite an adjustment, but it's good to be back uh, back with you. Uh, before we dive into today's uh, passage, I do need to make one quick announcement. Uh, you'll probably hear this announcement in various forms as we're trying to catch everybody, and the summer is a difficult time because people are coming and going. But we have made a, a, a change here, a transition in our church management software system, which I know is real exciting to all of you, super... Yeah. But it was a long time coming, and we need to do it. And what we're using is much more effective uh, because it integrates with something we're already doing. But all that to say is one of the changes that was put into effect is there's a new uh, financial accounting system attached to it. So if you give regularly online, that's changed. So if you if you just give manually, it's the same. Just go to northbrookchurch.org, follow the instructions. But if you have a reoccurring gift, as many of you do, uh, we're going to need you to go to our site and change that because some of you are giving on Realm. Now it's Church Center, which is new, and the instructions are all there on our website. If you have trouble, please give us a call. Please email us. Very happy to help you uh, navigate it. I know it's a pain, but thanks for your patience. And uh, if you could do that um, sooner rather than later, that would be really helpful as we're trying to to navigate this. And if you've never given to Northbrook Church, here's a great opportunity to try our new system. We'd love for you to join us in that. And again, thanks for your patience because you'll probably hear me talk about this again and in emails and all kinds of stuff till we kind of get this settled. Good? Good. Lord, this morning we're grateful. I'm grateful for the scriptures, grateful for this church. Uh, I ask you now that, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher as we open the Bible. May we not only be hearers of the word of God, but may we be doers. May we apply the word of the scriptures to our lives so that we can be more like you. Would you help us, we pray. Amen. In 1965, the folk singer Bob Dylan wrote a song called Times They Are A-Changin'. Come mothers and fathers throughout the land, Don't criticize what you don't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand, for times they are a-changing. Of course, times were changing in 1965. There was all kinds of issues happening in that year. And so Bob Dylan was right. Times they are a-changing. However, times have always been a-changing. Seasons change, the weather changes. Last week, I felt like I was living in a campfire with all of the smoke. And then all of a sudden, it was gone. I spent time at that all-inclusive resort a couple weeks ago, and my weight was (laughs) a-changing. Things are always in flux. Things are always changing. And yet, statistically, most people don't like 
change. Oh, there's the few of you out there that love to spont- be spontaneous. You love to change. But, but most of us, if we're honest, we just don't really like it. We like the routine. We like straight paths. We like the known. 57% of Americans have never lived outside of their home state. We like consistency. There was a there was a major change that happened in the year 1985. In that year, the world exploded. There were protests. There were letters that were written. People were outraged. The change? Coca-Cola switched its formula to New Coke, and the world lost its mind. So much so that Coke had to go back to the original formula, calling it Coca-Cola Classic because of boycotts and frustration. We do not like change. And yet change is inevitable. Change shapes us. Change forms us. I think back to to three significant changes that happened to me when I was was a kid. Uh, Change often happens to us. When I was a sophomore in high school, my parents decided to move to a new neighborhood. They'd done well and were going to build a new house. Now, up until that point, from the time I was five years old to the time I was a sophomore in high school, I lived in the same house, 5328 Ernest Road, Lockport, New York. It was my neighborhood, my friends, my people. It was the known. And my parents decided to build a newer, bigger home on Lincolnshire Drive, Same neighborhood, same city, different address. I was so mad, I did not want to move. In protest, when they would go look at the new home construction, I wouldn't get out of the car because I did not want to move. It was a change that was not welcome. When I was a senior in high school, at Christmas break, six months from graduation, my father, who worked in the automotive industry, was moved from where we lived to Detroit, Michigan. I had six months to go till graduation. So they moved me in with my grandmother to finish high school. It was a big change. I mean, very little supervision, 17 years old, away from my parents. Oh, things were changing, and not often for the good. Before I met my wife, Rebecca, there was another young lady in my life that I was infatuated with, so much so that we were engaged. A few months after our engagement, things blew up and she broke it off and I was devastated. But what I did learn is that some changes, though unwelcome at the time, end up really good in the long run. Because times there are changing. This morning, I want to enter into a biblical story of profound change. This change uh, is in the form of a leadership transition. Over the course of the summer, as we work our way through some of the Old Testament stories, we really are entering into the story of God. This weekend is the story of the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua over the nation of Israel. You may have noticed out in the lobby, we have all these paintings of all these stories. This is is one of them that you just saw a moment ago on the screen to kind of capture your your imagination. So, So now, the question that I'm asking of this story this weekend is, what is our responsibility as followers of Christ, towards the story of God in the midst of change that happens to every single one of us. 
I want to read two passages of scripture today. The first is from Deuteronomy chapter 31. The second will be from Joshua chapter 1. The transition from Deuteronomy to Joshua is a change in and of itself. The first five books of the Bible are referred to as the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and form the corpus of scripture that is attributed to Moses and the development of the nation of Israel. When we come to Joshua chapter 1, that not only changes the, the pages in the Bible, but it also changes the history of the nation of Israel. We begin uh, this morning with Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. When Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them what I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am giving, about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea, to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now now to shape some of the the context here, Moses, the, the leader, the prophet, the deliverer, The one who led his people out of slavery in Egypt is dead. The man who listened to his people's complaints, the man who helped them navigate their challenges, who sat with them on the worst days of their life, the one who worked miracles in their presence, the one in whom they placed their trust is no longer with them. He's no longer around to lead this nation of hundreds of thousands of people. And so the leadership is going to be going to be given to a young man named Joshua, who is untested, 
He's young. And his previous role up until this point was Moses' aide. In other words, the leader of the nation of Israel is going to be replaced with the secretary. Pretty big shoes to fill. Because this is Moses we're talking about. And it's not a simple move. It's not as simple as walking from one part of the country to the other. Joshua is in charge of leading hundreds of thousands of people, perhaps millions, to a new place of residence that has geographical challenges. At the time, there was a flood that had happened, and there was the need to move all of these people through a flooded area. And not only that, there were people challenges, because there's always people challenges. There were people in the land that they were about to inhabit that did not want them there. Yes, this is going to be a very challenging story. See, the Old Testament stories were written not just to describe what happened, but also to teach us something, to form our faith. And so as we kind of peel back the layers of this story, there there are many, and we could spend weeks in this story alone. I want to look at four necessities in facing change taken from this story. Beginning with number one, the necessity of grace. Deuteronomy chapter 31, back to verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I'm now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. Which would have been devastating for the people to hear. I am no longer able to lead you. Then Joshua chapter 1. After the death of, death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Loss necessitates grace. Grace is a defining feature of the Christian faith. You take away grace, you no longer have Christianity. Of all the world religions, Christianity is the one that highlights the ideal of grace. The New Testament reminds us that it is by grace that you're saved. It's not by works, not by any good person, it's by grace. The Apostle Paul begins many of his letters by writing, Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Father, Jesus Christ. Grace is needed, particularly in change, because change often involves loss. Even good change involves a series of losses. So when you think about change in in, in personal life, there are some changes that are really good. When I got married, it was a great change. It was. And I'm still happy. But there was a loss. There was a loss of some freedoms. I'm no longer responsible for just myself. When I had children, it was a great change. Love my kids. But there was loss. Loss of sleep. (laughs) Loss of a lot of money, which I'm still losing, by the way. But it was good. But then there are some changes that can be very challenging. Divorce, that's a loss. Death, that's a loss for a lot of people. A health diagnosis that's unwelcomed and unwanted, that's that's a loss. We experience all kinds of personal changes and transitions in our life. But we also experience change and transition at the cultural and historical level. We're living in a time right now in history 
in which I would argue that there is rapid and exponential change happening at a, at, at a lightning fast pace. When we think about the developments in technology, many of which are good, it's happening fast. Well, when you consider that the advances in medical technology, many of it's good. It's causing us to live longer, healthier, live with less pain. Many of the medical advances in technology have been good. The way that we communicate has changed rapidly, and much of it's been good. 30 years ago, when I lived out of state and wanted to call my parents, I I had to get a long-distance calling card and dial the number the code, and I was charged different amounts depending on the time of day that I called. My kids don't even know what long-distance calling is. And sometimes it could get rather expensive. Now, I call my parents who live in Michigan. Not only do I hear them, but because I have an iPhone, I can see them through FaceTime. It's been a great technological advance, a recent advance in, in light of history, and it's been good. But there have been other advances in technology that caused me to pause and ask questions. Oh, we would say for the most part, the advent of the internet has been good, and the internet is a relatively new technology that's changed rather fast. But it has opened the door to possibilities that were unthinkable 50 years ago, even 30 years ago. Because of the advent of the internet, we have addictions to things that we would have never been addicted to. I mean, when, when I was a kid, if you wanted to get a hold of a scandalous material, you had to go into a store and buy it and use money and someone might see you and tell on you. And now people are addicted to internet pornography because it is simple, it is easy, and it is secret, and it has caused havoc in the lives of people. Another rapidly advancing technology that most of us don't know what to do with is artificial intelligence. What do we do with that and the power that it has? Recently, a piece of artificial intelligence technology has been released called ChatGPT. Maybe you've used it, maybe you've seen it, maybe you've heard of it. If you've not, it's free. I downloaded it onto my computer just to see and there's a prompt you type in and it can write stories, it can write term papers, it can paint pictures, it can write computer code, it can do all kinds of things. I was curious, so I downloaded it and I wrote into the prompt. Write a sermon based on Deuteronomy chapter 31 and Joshua 1, citing scripture references and the topic is change in leadership. Enter. Within 30 seconds, I had an introduction, three points and a conclusion. And now you're wondering, is that this sermon? The answer is no. It's no. Next week. (laughs) It's challenged our educational system because professors know something's not right, but they can't prove it. It's that good. We've experienced exponential ideological shifts that I think hurt us. We live in an age when we have the inability to express divergent opinions without being labeled something. Some call it cancel culture. Live in a time in which what I feel is more important than what's 
actually true? There's been a radical, radical shift in sexual ethics that push against the biblical morality that distorts the value of people made in God's image. So how then are we to be in the world in the midst of so much change? Well, I would argue it necessitates grace. The word grace means the extension of goodwill. The word grace is an action word, not a a feeling word. See, in the leadership transition in our story, Joshua needed a lot of grace from the people as an untested leader trying to fill some really big shoes. And the people needed a lot of grace from Joshua because they were now asked to follow a new leader that they did not fully know or fully trust. As we navigate the changing of our lives and our culture, as people of faith, we're called to grace, which is a pillar of our faith. But there's also a second necessity, and that's the necessity of grit. There's a phrase that's used in this story over and over and over. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. See, change requires grit, resilience, persistence, because change often comes with friction and the unknown. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 5. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I'm now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Shion and Og, the kings of the Amorites whom he destroyed, along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you and you must do to them what I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Live with with grit. Live with courage and resolve and strength of character to press forward even when it's not easy. To transition from the desert to the promised land was going to require grit, tenacity, perseverance. Most of life requires grit. Relationships demand grit. Being a parent requires grit. Staying true to your moral compass demands grit. Seeing something through to the end, even when it's hard, requires grit. Now, Joshua is not simply being told, just kind of grin and bear it, grit your teeth, muster up your own courage and just have grit. That's not what's being asked of him. What's being asked of him is to have courage and strength and perseverance and grit, not in and of yourself, but because I will go with you. I am with you. I'm there before you. You don't have to muster it up on your own. I, the Lord your God, will go before you. And because that's true, in the midst of change, I can live within the necessity of gratitude. See, as followers of Jesus, we are asked to live quite literally with an attitude of gratitude in the midst of the unknown because we know with certainty that God is with us. 
For the people of Israel, as they crossed into the land God had promised them, there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknowns. For us, as human beings, there is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknowns. God never promised certainty, at least not in in this life. But this is what he promised. It's what he promised Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. What is certain is we have his presence. And what is certain in Christ, we have eternity. That's what we have. And because I have those things, because I have his presence, in the midst of change, I can live with gratitude. Now, I had a story that I was going to tell at this point in today's sermon. And I didn't feel it did justice to this ideal. And so I I, I switched it. And so what I'm going to share has been changed at the last moment and it's half-baked. So just, just, just kind of just, okay, just give me some, some grace here with this. Because I want to, I want to, I want to speak to gratitude in the midst of change, even when change is difficult. So as I, I came into 2022 and 2023, the years, it, it seemed as though the whole world was at least finding some semblance of normal in some way. But I found myself unsettled. And I couldn't quite, couldn't quite name it. But as I, I thought about it, I, I went back in my mind to 2019 and 2020 and all of the things that were happening in those years. And it wasn't just one thing, it was many things, right? We had a very contentious election. We had this global pandemic and then we had all this unsettledness within race relations and all this stuff happening all at the same time. So whenever you are a leader anyway, whenever you pastor a church, there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas about a lot of things, which is great. That makes us human. I love diversity. I love diversity of thought. I love thinking through ideas and things. But because... We're a community of people. You got to make decisions. You got to take directions. You got to take course of actions. And we did our very best in all three of those categories in impossible situations. And oh, were their thoughts. <clears throat> oh, the names I was called. Mm. The letters I received. The phone calls. Oh, they were plenty. I could write a book. Maybe I will. Which is fine because we all have diversity of thought and opinion. But what I I realize is that as we sit here together, the the change that I'm experiencing is what's affected me. Our church and every church has changed coming from those years. As I sit here, stand here today, I, I realize there are individuals that used to sit in seats you're sitting in that are no longer sitting in those seats. Individuals that I spent time with on the worst days of their life. Individuals that I was friends with. Individuals that we did life together. But are no longer in the seat next to you because of an impossible decision that was made, that was disagreed with. And because of that, our church has changed. In some ways, for the good. 
Many new people have come and I'm glad you're here. But all of that change affected me more than I thought it would. I feel like during these years, we, as the global Christian church, had the opportunity to shine. The scriptures say, let your deeds shine before men so that they may see them and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is just my opinion. It's my opinion alone. I just don't feel like the global Christian church shined all that well. At least not when I read the pages of scripture. So I've mourned that a little bit. But in the midst of all that, I I can live with gratitude. Now, Now, don't read into this. But there was a moment in which I said to my wife, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of being accused. I'm tired of the character assassination. I'm tired of the names. And I'm sick of it. And I just don't want to do it anymore. I heard Starbucks has good insurance. <laughs> oh, don't read into it. It was a fleeting thought. Well, maybe more than fleeting, but it's fled. What's helped me, what's caused me to live with gratitude is that I know as a follower of Christ, God's presence is with me. And I know he's called me into ministry. I know that for certain. Never promised it would be easy. But I live with certainty that God's presence is with me. So maybe you're in the midst of a change and you're questioning a lot of things. And it's hard to muster up gratitude. Because often we have gratitude for the outcome when the outcome's not always guaranteed. I can have gratitude not for the outcome, but for the presence. The presence of God that lives in me, that is, is with me. Finally, there's the last necessity, and that's the necessity of grounding. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be successful to do everything, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We're all grounded in something. We all live with in values or convictions, ethics and truth. The Lord speaks to Joshua and says, keep, <clears throat> keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it. That word meditate quite literally means to mutter it to yourself over and over and over again. Take this, take this book and, and ground yourself in it. See, as followers of Christ, we find our grounding not in shifting culture, we find our grounding in the covenant that God has established with us that's outlined in the scriptures. And the promise that he gives to Joshua that I believe is extended to us is that we will live prosperous lives in some ways when we live within the relational boundaries of the covenant. Not perfect lives, not certain lives, but full lives. So, see, when things change 
in my life, when I experience unexpected twists and turns, I'm grounded in something. This is how the New Testament says it in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed with an oath, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope, this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. So when it seems like your world is rapidly changing and you don't know what to do, we have this anchor for the soul. Now you say, well, Mike, you know, but the world is out of control and we got to do something about it. We got to stand up. We got to do all this stuff. And to that I say, okay, but the problem that we often have as followers of Christ is we expect non-covenant people to act like covenant people. We think that we can just force a set of values. That's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to change the heart. And the last time I checked, my nameplate didn't say Holy Spirit. My job is to stay grounded, <clears throat> to be faithful, to let my light shine through my good work, to love God and love others. That's my job, and I find my grounding in Scripture. So over the next 12 months, it's possible, it's actually likely, that you'll experience a change. Some will be small, others will be large, some will be good, some will be challenging. Because see, sometimes when the story God is writing called your life happens, it takes unexpected turns and twists. And what will we do? Will we react or will we respond with grace, with grit, with gratitude, and with grounding? Oh, times they may be changing, but there's one thing that never changes. The promise of God's presence in the midst of everything. So for that, I thank you, God. Oh, times they are changing. But you stand outside of it all. You say you go before us. That we can be strong and courageous because you go before us. Thank you. I'm grateful. I specifically pray for those here, those viewing online that are in the midst of a change. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's challenging. Would you help them to navigate all with grace and gratitude and grit and grounding in your word? And may we live with gratitude that your presence goes before us. Amen.